RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong says a primary vote is not against the national security law. The mainland's GDP bounces back in the second quarter and more Western media rethink their future in Hong Kong after a New York Times reporter is denied a visa. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong says he doesn't see how the, prim- the pro-democracy camp's LegCo primaries at the weekend could have breached the national security law. Mainland officials had accused the pan-democrats of using the poll to try to take control of the legislature to paralyse the government and subvert state power. Mr Tong says that the primaries could undermine the fairness of September's elections as some candidates may not properly declare their expenses, but he doesn't think the organisers or candidates broke the security law. The so-called primary does not on its face involve the use of force or the threat of use of force or any unlawful means, nor is there any evidence of any involvement by foreign power. So I think while the intent to interfere with the proper functioning of LegCo was perhaps clear, the so-called primary doesn't on its face satisfy the other elements which I have just mentioned. Meanwhile, the Business and Professionals Alliance lawmaker Priscilla Leung says she's not optimistic that the pro-establishment camp will hit its target of winning three of the six seats in her West Kowloon constituency. The camp now holds, now holds four of the seats after winning two by-elections in the last four years. Announcing her bid for re-election, Ms Leung said she offered more experience in dealing with matters relating to the rules of LegCo than the camp's other candidates, Yan Chan and the DAB's Vincent Chiang. I'm an experienced legislator with the expertise of public law that will help solving different matters like filibustering or some more challenges to come. The opposition carry the objective to paralyse our whole Legislative Council, we cannot allow them to happen. Official figures show that the mainland's gross domestic product contracted by 1.6% in the first six months of this year, compared to the same period last year. But for the second quarter, it recorded year-on-year growth of 3.2%, avoiding a recession as coronavirus lockdowns ended and policymakers stepped up stimulus. The economy contracted 6.8% in the first quarter, its worst performance since the 1960s. Speaking through an interpreter, Liu Aihua from the National Bureau of Statistics said she was confident the country would overcome the negative effects of the coronavirus in the coming months. Many indicators have gone up or gone down at a slower pace, which shows that the impact of COVID-19 is generally within control. And China's economy has the strong ability of self-adjustment. We have a comprehensive industrial system, improving infrastructure and a vast market. Despite those figures, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25.211. That's 272 points down on the previous close. Currencies that the US dollar is trading at 106.95 yen, the euro stands at 1 US dollar 14 cents, and the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 73 cents. More major Western media organisations say they're considering options to withdraw staff from Hong Kong. It follows the New York Times' decision to move a third of its Hong Kong staff to Seoul after one of its top correspondents was denied a work visa. Jimmy Choi has more. 
In a report on the New York Times' decision to move its digital editing team to Seoul, the Wall Street Journal confirmed it was weighing the possibility of relocating staff to other bureaus in light of the new security law. The journal quoted a CNN spokeswoman as saying that the broadcaster would consider its options if its ability to operate in Hong Kong was compromised. A Financial Times spokesman also said it would consider its options, but had no immediate plans to move staff. Meanwhile, the New York Times reported last night that its decision to reduce its presence in Hong Kong came after its veteran China correspondent, Chris Buckley, was denied a work permit for the SAR. Mr Buckley was one of several staff forced to leave the mainland. He's the second journalist known to have been refused a work permit in Hong Kong, following Victor Mallet of the Financial Times. An infectious disease expert says that the government needs to take the lead in allowing staff to work from home if it wants private companies to follow. David Hoy from the Chinese University told RTHK that he understood the government wanted to maintain public services and had implemented flexible working hours. But he said streets and public transport were still crowded. An alliance of tutorial centres says the government is being unfair in asking them to close for two weeks, while other businesses such as gyms are only closed for a week. They say there's no scientific basis for saying that education centres pose more risk of spreading COVID-19, given that only three cases have been linked to students who attended tutorial classes. The Education Centres Union said 30 of the 150 centres it polled previously had already closed and many hadn't yet received a $40,000 government handout. Its spokesman, Trevor So, says that more businesses could be in jeopardy. From the last time the epidemic happened, so not that serious like this time, I think. So that's why the culture for our business may be much longer than the before because last time already stopped us around five more months. So this time maybe 10 months, I don't know. So the future is still an unknown now. The United States is imposing visa restrictions on some employees of Huawei and other Chinese technology firms. The US Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said telecom companies around the world should consider themselves on notice that doing business with Huawei meant doing business with human rights abusers. Washington's latest attack comes a day after Britain said it was phasing out Huawei equipment from its 5G telecom networks. The UK joins the United States and now many other democracies in becoming clean countries, nations free of untrusted 5G vendors. The United States has a Huawei announcement of our own today. The State Department will impose visa restrictions on certain employees of Chinese technology companies like Huawei that provide material support to regimes engaging in human rights violations and abuses globally. Twitter says it still hasn't restored full service for all users after a major hacking attack on the network targeting high-profile figures. The head of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, said the company felt terrible about what had happened and was investigating the incident. The attack was directed at famous figures and companies. Here's the BBC's James Clayton. This is an absolutely huge hack. I mean, if you look at the list of people who've been affected, Kim Kardashian, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Kanye West, Elon Musk, Uber, Apple, Jeff Bezos, Mike Bloomberg, and the kinds of tweets that they were sending out, not from them personally, but the hackers. This is one from Bill Gates. Everyone is asking me to give back and now is the time. You send me $1,000, I send you 2000 back. So the mind only boggles at what this could have been. I mean, it looks like this was a, a scam. But considering some of the people on this list, you can just imagine what the hackers could have tweeted from those accounts. 
The United States recorded its biggest daily total of coronavirus cases yesterday, with more than 67,000 people diagnosed, figures from Johns Hopkins University show. The country, which has more virus cases than any other, has seen a surge since late last month, mostly in the south and west. California, Arizona, Florida and Texas reported more than 450 deaths between them. President Trump has announced a shake-up in the team organising his re-election campaign as opinion polls continue to suggest that he's trailing his Democrat rival, Joe Biden. Mr Trump has replaced his campaign manager, Brad Pascal, with a senior advisor, Bill Stepien. Here's the BBC's David Willis. The replacement of Brad Pascal as Donald Trump's campaign manager follows a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma last month, which was intended to reboot the president's re-election effort. But having claimed that nearly a million people had requested tickets for the event, the campaign was subsequently forced to concede that just over 6,000 people had actually attended. Mr Trump's handling of the coronavirus pandemic has weakened his position in the polls. He's currently trailing his Democratic rival Joe Biden by an average of around nine percentage points. President Trump's leading advisor on the coronavirus, Dr Anthony Fauci, has described efforts by some White House officials to discredit him as bizarre. He said a series of attacks on him reflected poorly on the Trump administration. Dr Fauci has openly disagreed with some moves by President Trump to open up the US economy. Dr Oscar Alain from a National Association of Health Officials said they were having to deal with public hostility which didn't exist before. We were never faced with this uh, categorization of the public health system as not being the unsung heroes as we often have been, but now being the villains. The divisiveness that currently exists in our present society here in the U.S. does have a negative impact on the ability for us to be able to do our jobs in the way uh, that we have always done in the past. But speaking at the White House before departing for Atlanta, Mr. Trump said everyone was in the same in the same team. Didn't change for me. I've, look, they're all on the same team. We're all in the same team, including Dr. Fauci. I have a very good relationship with Dr. Fauci, and we're all in the same team. We want to get rid of this mess that China sent us. So everybody's working on the same line, and we're doing very well. An international team of scientists has concluded that this year's unprecedented heat wave in the Siberian Arctic provides unequivocal evidence of climate change fueled by man-made global warming. Between January and June, the Russian region recorded temperatures that were five degrees above average. Here's the BBC's Justin Rowlett. Six months of record-breaking temperatures have fueled massive forest fires in the Siberian Arctic this year. One Russian town recorded 38 Celsius, the highest temperature ever north of the Arctic Circle. An international study has now concluded this period of exceptional heat would have been impossible had the world not been warmed by man-made greenhouse gas emissions. The strength of the finding was, the scientists say, unprecedented, the clearest evidence so far of the effect of climate change on a weather event. Now a look at sports, here's Atom Chung.
Liverpool's bid to break the Premier League record of 100 points is over. The new champions suffered their third defeat of the season, going down 2-1 away to Arsenal. Reese Nelson scored his first Premier League goal, which turned out to be the game winner for Arsenal. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp said his players made the mistake of relaxing after taking the lead. Yeah, you know, it was obvious. We took a break. We the Birch lost the ball, but he had no real offers. I, was, I didn't see a lot of players who won the ball in that moment. Until then, we, we played incredible football, especially in the build-up. It was incredible. Joe Gomez in between the lines. It was really good. Um, we scored one goal. Absolutely deserved. We concede these two goals. That doesn't help, obviously. It's our fault and nobody else's fault. Um, and we, we know that. And then we had to chase the game, and it's not easy um, against the, the team with the counter-attacking threat of Arsenal. But we, we, we protected well, we were, it was okay. Um, we have to use the chances. We didn't, and so we lost the game because of our own fault. Uh, is there disappointment in your group sitting back there in the dressing room now that you can't get beyond the hand? I didn't ask. It. Look, I mean, how can you, can you think about records when you lose a game? We are just very disappointed, obviously, very, very disappointed. I don't know if it's because records. Um, look, it's, it's just 93 points. You can always see it. From it, 93 points so far, it's incredible. What the boys did, so it's incredible. We don't think about that. Yeah. We wanted to win this game today. I saw that, but you cannot win a football game in the Premier League when you take a five-minute break or three-minute break. It's not possible. Usually, you need to be really lucky. We were not tonight, and that's why Arsenal won the game, and rightly so. A dramatic stoppage time penalty from Chris Wood secured a one-all draw for Burnley at home to Wolves. Wolves remain sixth in the table, three points outside the top four with two games to play. Boss Nuno Espirito Santo says dropping points at the last moment is frustrating, but they won't dwell on it. We have to look at the final moments of the game require require focus, require staying in the game and and be better, be better so we can we can uh, uh, be more, more effective on the game that we do. Tottenham are a further point back and up to 7th after a 3-1 win at Newcastle. Harry Kane scored twice. He's passed 200 club goals in 350 appearances. That's not bad, yeah, it's not bad. But uh, as always, let's try and improve on it. So, uh, no, it's, it's obviously a nice um, milestone to, to get. But um, most important thing was the three points. So, uh, hopefully uh, a couple more before the season ends. In the other Premier League game, Bournemouth remained the relegation zone after a 2-1 defeat at Manchester City. In Italy, the leaders Juventus needed an equaliser from Alexandro to draw 3-3 away at Sassuolo. Juventus now seven points clear at the top with five games to play. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong says a primary vote does not go against the national security law. The mainland's GDP bounces back in the second quarter and more Western media rethink their future in Hong Kong after a New York Times reporter is denied a visa. And that's the news from RTHK.
Legislation on national security in Hong Kong is designed to safeguard national sovereignty, security, and development interests. It will also ensure that Hong Kong becomes a safer, more stable city. The legislation is aimed at an extremely small minority of those whose behavior and activities pose threats to national security. It will not affect the legitimate rights and freedoms enjoyed and exercised by Hong Kong residents in accordance with the law. National security law preserves one country, two systems, and restores stability.